2: A disciple is, is a learner, but he, here's my definition of a disciple. A disciple is a lifelong learner. We, we never arrive, we continue, I'm still learning. I've been a Christian uh, more than 55 years and I'm still learning. A lifelong learner, well, there's that D word, with some discipline. In other words, there's some discipline involved in becoming And maintaining that discipleship.
0: One of the common misconceptions regarding Christianity is that all one needs to do to become a Christian is to simply say they're a Christian. Without reading God's Word, it's understandable how one can believe that becoming a Christian is an event rather than a change. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us the true definition of becoming a follower of Christ. In our study, we learn how the Christian life is rooted in discipleship and discipline which focuses on continually learning how to become more like Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Enabled, Equipped, and Empowered to Go.
2: Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. This has probably happened to you, I'm sure. You drive into a strange town and someone has recommended a restaurant. They say is just fabulous. You want to go there, but you don't know how to get there. So you stop the car and you ask somebody. Somebody says something like this. Well, you go down... In front of you right here, two blocks, stop at the first stop sign you come to, then go until you get to the fourth traffic light, you turn left, you go down that road for about three and a half miles, and on the corners will be a Seven Eleven. you turn right there and you're on Main Street, you just follow it for a little short while, and the restaurant will be on the left, you can't miss it. Ever been there? And you go like, man, I'm I'm back at the first corner. What was that again where you told me? It would be so much easier... If the person you ask about this restaurant said, oh, I know where it is. We eat there often. In fact, I'm telling you, I'm going to drive by two blocks short of that, but I'll just drive, just get in your, I'll get in my car, follow me, and you can go right there. How many like that scenario a little better? That's exactly right. Well, after you've been there once, not if you're a man, but if you're a woman, you could direct somebody there again. <laughs> Men sometimes aren't too good with directions. You can actually take him there because you've been there. Well, that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see that Jesus begins to talk to his disciples really about learning. Now, the disciples have been following Jesus, but they haven't been in their cars. They've been on foot, and they've been following him actually in even a boat. Today, you're going to see learning, understanding how we become and maintain this thing called discipleship. Now, if you will, you're already in Matthew chapter 10. I want you to scoot back just two verses to chapter 9. And let me remind you that the Bible is never written with chapters and verse. So sometimes when we take a break, we miss the flow. Let's remember what we taught last week. Look at verse 37. Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You remember Jesus was saying to his disciples, I want you to see and I want you to feel what I feel. And he says, look at the people. They're sheep, but they have no leader. They don't have a shepherd. They don't have someone to take care of them they're searching for truth but religion had blocked their view that they, they couldn't find God in the meaning of life and then he's trying to kind of change it, and he says to his disciples well they're not only sheep but look at them and he would take a group like this and he said they're a harvest oh they're ripe they're ready to well they're ready to have the questions of life answered they're ready that's not the problem they're everywhere The problem, it's not enough workers to go and explain to people and answer their simple questions about God and life and how we do this thing called life. Remember, that's the sequence. Now, there's no change. There's no chapter break. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. And he called his disciples to him, his disciples. I'll come back to that. And he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So what does Jesus do? He does this. He says the fields are ripe. Man, everywhere around us there's sheep without a shepherd. There's people that are looking for answers to life. They're confused by religion. They don't get it. But there's not enough workers. He says to the 12, I'm sending you. You're going to be these initial workers. You're going to go and learn how to minister as an extension of me. You're going to follow my example. You're going to be a representative of me. And I'm going to show people that people can become workers in my field. Now, what is this thing? Notice he said back here in verse Ten, I ask you to kind of pay attention. He, he said he called his disciples. See, some of you as yet are, are not his disciples. You're not a disciple of Christ. You're not a follower of Christ. Well, the only way to find answers to life is to become a real disciple, a true, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So he calls them and... Well, let me define for you some things. A disciple is is a learner. But he, here's my definition of a disciple. A disciple is a lifelong learner. We, we never arrive. We continue. I'm still learning. I've been a Christian uh, more than 55 years and I'm still learning. A lifelong learner, well, there's that D word with some discipline. In other words, there's some discipline involved in becoming and maintaining that discipleship. Now, How do we learn, I told you at the beginning, if somebody took you to the restaurant, you could probably now get there yourself. Well, how do we learn this thing of being a Christian? Being a disciple, how do we do it? Well, really, there's three ways. Number one, a disciple learns by reading and listening. No doubt these 12 disciples had been when Jesus would say, well, I'm going to be the fulfillment of Isaiah, they'd go back and look at Isaiah. They'd been reading. They'd been listening to all of Jesus' teaching. We did that incredible Sermon on the Mount. Well, today, you're reading. You've got a Bible in front of you. You're open to it. You're learning the Word of God. And you're listening to me. Explain that passage that we're looking at today, these 15 verses, in context. So we're learners. Well, I not only do that, but I, I learn by, by watching. You see, many Christians forget this incredible privilege and responsibility. People are looking at your life. You call yourself a Christian, they're looking at you to see how you live, what you do. I mentioned in my prayer that one of the most critical periods of time for a parent is that 5- to 15-year-old bracket. See, your children, oh, you're reading to them, and they're learning in school, but they're looking at you as to what life's all about. They're determining whether this thing called being a Christian is worth it. Well, they may not say it, but oh, they're watching. And see, that's where this, well, being real, being authentic, is so critical. Well, the disciples had been watching Jesus. They didn't only hear him teach, they watched how he... In fact, last week, remember, he said he was filled with compassion. They were watching how he dealt with people. But maybe the most powerful way we learn is this third one. A disciple learns by doing. You see, let me explain this to you. You will never really grow as a disciple until you're doing, until you're serving. See, if this church operates with people serving as volunteers, this weekend, as I said, we had Student Life, it's an organization in the United States. From Kids from all kinds of different churches were here, Baptist and Methodist and Presbyterian and whatever. They were all here. 3,000 kids or whatever just having to being ministered to. Worship, the whole place last night if you were here was transformed and they kind of got it all down and put away. And they're being ministered to and, and they're watching and they're seeing. And well, how does that happen in this church? Well, the head individual for student life said to me, we'd like to take all your volunteers And pack them in a van and take them with us to every church. Because they're so wonderful at serving. Good. See, you won't learn to be a disciple until you take your gift and serve. And serve. So let me ask you this morning. Are you serving in a ministry? We need more ushers. We need lady ushers. We need more first-time kind of welcome guests. We need people in the parking lot. We need people in the cafe. We have places for you to serve. Great chance for you to do it. See, you you really grow, you really learn how to serve. And as you serve, then, well, it all just falls in place. That's what the disciples are doing. Jesus says, well, you've watched me. You've heard me. Let's go do it. That's way different than listening and watching, because now they're going on their own. How difficult it is to learn? Well, I came across this yesterday, and I thought it was really good. How difficult is it to learn the English language? You and I think, well, it's not difficult at all. But for a person who doesn't know English, it's very di- because it's a very inexact language. Greek, isn't it amazing God orchestrated the Greek language to be the language that's Perfectly exact. Mention the word love. Love in the United States means whatever. Love in the Greek has four different meanings. Well, take a look at these and look how confusing how hard it is to learn the English language. By the way, we had a, a gal who is a student from Germany here last night. And she went, came up to me after. She said, English language is very difficult. I'm thinking, I think the German language. But look at these. Here's the first one. The bandage was wound around the wound. Now how do you explain to somebody, W-O-U-N-D. What? Has two meanings and you pronounce it two different ways. We go on. The farm was used to produce produce. See, we never even think of it, do. We? we just say it. Number three, we must polish the Polish furniture. Here's for you, ladies. I know you wanted to say this to your husband, so you can read it to him right now. He could lead if he would get the let out. That's pretty spiritual, isn't it? I'm not going to read this next one. Let's, let me hear you read it. All right, here we go. Go.
0: <laughs>
2: you had trouble too, didn't you? I couldn't even read it last night. And here's the last one. Since there is no time like the present, he thought it was time to present the present. Wow. How difficult is it to learn discipleship well it isn't difficult but it is lifelong it's this process that we're working on well who is he going to send out we're given the names look at verse 2 these are the names of the 12 notice the word apostles First Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Notice these disciples. Jesus said he called his disciples, but he sends out his apostles. What does that mean? Well, we know from Luke 6 that... He called his 12 disciples to them and then designated them as apostles. Apostles simply means called out ones. Now, what were these people? Well, these 12 were decided they were just committed followers and they were chosen not to just be sent out ones, but that word apostle really means a leader. These 12 in the movement to come the New Testament, they'd be the 12 leaders. They'd be this this foundation of which Jesus would be the cornerstone. Now, this is the only time Matthew uses this word apostle, but remember, he's speaking to the Jews. He's writing the book to the Jews. So he has some relationship with these 12 men being on a special mission for the Jews. And of course, 12 tribes of Israel. So it it just makes sense to Matthew. Now, what if you get you read those names, and if you know a little bit about them, what kind of people are they? Well, the incredible diverse background of people: fishermen, businessmen, tax collectors, even a zealous revolutionary guy called Simon the Zealot. What were they? Well, they were simply an unlikely team of ordinary people. They were ordinary people that God was going to use to change. The world. Let me mention two of them to you today and see what comes to your mind. Simon, Peter, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Tell me. Fisherman. What else? A rock? Somebody last night said, well, changes feet quite often with his mouth. Is that right? Kind of bold, always puts it in there. Sometimes we think of Peter, first thing that comes to mind is failure. Well, what was Pete? Well, he was brash. Remember one day, Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. Pete said, no, you're not. He said, "His leader. No, you're not. You're not going. You're wrong. What did Jesus say to him? Uh, Pete, you're wrong. I'm going. And then you remember on the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus telling him about what's going to happen. What does Pete say? I'll never fail you. All those other people are going to walk away. Not me. That's Pete. And yet, when we get... See I mean, what kind of life is Pete? He's just he's just ordinary. He's an ordinary. Just say it with me, ordinary. Is ordinary. Ordinary. Had some high times? Had some low times. Had some failure? Had some success. When we get to the New Testament, what we find? Pete's still ordinary, but he's very anointed now. He seemed to learn when to change feet a little less. He's used by God. He preaches the first sermon, 3000 people get saved. He's an incredible changed man, but he's still ordinary. Still ordinary. Let me mention another guy. Thomas. What's the first word that comes when you think of Thomas? Ooh, sorry, Thomas. Thomas, the doubter. Positive? No, kind of really negative. Unless you show me the place. Thomas is, like Peter, just ordinary. Did Thomas ever have some good points? Oh, yeah. We never sometimes think about that, but he had lots of good points. In fact, one time Jesus said, I'm going to go over here. And and Thomas said, well, let's go with you. I mean, if he's going to die, we'll die with him. So these men are just ordinary. They're all ordinary. What are you this morning? In spite of all these successes and failures, these 12 men... And plenty of other disciples, men and women They were just ordinary people from diverse backgrounds But God was going to use them They were simply ordinary Say say it like this with me this morning Ordinary, just kind of roll for you Ordinary, say it like that Come on, make a funky face and say ordinary Now turn to your, your neighbor and just say You're just ordinary Go ahead, let's do it And the funky people next to you, ordinary. We're just ordinary. <laughs> That's all we are. That's who's in this room. We're just ordinary people. In fact, we're ordinary people. <laughs> That's who we are. Now, how is God going to use them? What's going to take place with them? Well, before we get there, Paul kind of said it the same way to us. Look here in Corinthians. Paul just outlines for us well what every person is. No, no matter how brilliant Paul was, oh, he had successes and failures too, just like you and I do. So Paul writes like this, remember, your brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those who are powerless, in other words, without God, they would be just average, they couldn't do anything, to shame those who are powerful, these people who think they can do whatever. They shake their fist at God. He says he uses us, ordinary people, with the power of God to shame those people. Then he goes on, God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. So that no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Why? God's almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful. You and I, we're simply, tell me, ordinary. ordinary. So that's who these are. And I'm going to give you today seven lessons to learn as a disciple. This is what the disciples are going to learn in this first 15 verses. Seven lessons. Now let me just say this to you. Some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning, not the seven key points, but some of the issues were only for the disciples in that day, and especially this special mission. This is a special mission, a very unusual mission. It's never really repeated again, so it isn't normal. But the seven principles that I give you that we learn through this apply to every single one of us. You'll see that as we go through. Here's the first lesson to write. As disciples, we learn that God uses ordinary people who are enabled, equipped, and empowered to go and serve. Now, as you write these notes, some of the seven are long, some are short. You can skip the first two words as disciples. I just want to remind you, if you're a Christian, you're in this process called discipleship. So these lessons, you should be learning. I should be learning. In other words, I have to be reminded today that God just uses ordinary people. Who are that? That's me. That's every one of you. But he uses us and then he equips us, which is the title of our teaching. He enables us and he empowers us to go and do incredible, extraordinary things. Not because of us, but because of God in us. I learned that all through the Bible. God just takes average people. That's who we are. Average, ordinary people. Puts his spirit in them and amazing things happen. The disciples will see this as they go. Look at verse 5. The 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So he just doesn't say go. He's going to give them some instructions. And notice how very specific they are. Do not go among the Gentiles. Do not enter any town of the
0: Samaritans. Statistical polls show that a startling number of church attendants believe that Christianity is simply making a confession and going to church from time to time. When reading the New Testament, we learn rather quickly that Christ came to make disciples that would continue his work. In today's message, Pastor Mark emphasized the importance of discipleship and how we're to strive for growth and improvement in our daily walk.
1: Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main
0: menu. Being called to ministry is often regarded by many of us as a calling that only a small percentage of Christians receive. Unfortunately, this couldn't be further from the truth as each and every one of us are called to further God's kingdom. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us about the responsibility that each of us shares as a disciple of Christ. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.
1: i